0: The Gucci Girl, Prada Professional, Coach Queen, or Target Trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, principal at Top Sales Strategies, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Retan.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, I am going to be switching up our format today because I really want to focus on my guest. Um, She's going to be coming up here at the Miami Book Fair in November. Doris Weatherford is the author of a brand new book called Victory for the Vote with a foreword written by Nancy Pelosi. And I can't imagine a better time for this book to come out when the vote has never been more important. Doris certainly knows about women making inroads into this um, great uh, United States of ours. She's been publishing books. Uh, Her first one came out in 1986. So she certainly has had a string of successes. That first book was called Foreign and Female Immigrant Women in America. Her second book was around American women and World War II, which came out in 1990. And then she's actually done an entire American woman's history, an A to Z approach with 700 essays on individuals, organizations, issues, and events. And then her milestones, a chronology of American women's history, came out in 1997. She's very politically active to talk about that latest book coming up doris on the show today to talk about that latest book coming up here at the miami book fair doris welcome to the show
2: thank you glad to be here
1: well i'm thrilled to have you on i know that book fair is coming up here november 15th through the 22nd it's going to be live streamed (laughs) sadly our days of meeting in
2: person just have gone by the
1: wayside
2: (laughs) it was so much fun so much fun i know we hope we can come back again
1: I hope so, too, but I do hope that a lot of people will uh, dial in and 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 watch that stream coming up. But I have to tell you, before we dive into the book, I saw you lived in Minnesota for the first 10, ten years of your life. I am currently uh, talking to you from Excelsior, Minnesota, in the western suburbs of Minneapolis. So I'm curious, ah, where in Minnesota where
2: did you live? Yes, yes, I was... Uh, up there last summer, before COVID, the summer before COVID. And uh, I have uh, a couple of nieces and uh, a nephew and a cousin who live in Minneapolis itself. And then I have dozens of cousins and other relatives who live around there. Um, I was born in Pipestone County.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, it's always nice to talk to a a fellow Minnesotan. I'm glad mm -hmm. uh, we've got that. Well, you know, it's beautiful here at the time of year. Uh, We're well into fall. It's just glorious. So uh, we would welcome you back to the state if you could get here safely. (laughs)
2: Exactly.
3: Exactly. I know.
1: Yeah, it's a little challenging right now, but you're making the best of it with this brand new book. And I, as I mentioned in the intro for you, you've written a number of books that look at women throughout history and at specific points of time. I'm curious why you decided to tackle the the kind of the history of women's vote in America.
2: Uh, everything leads to it. it, it the vote is, is fundamental. And... Uh, Women at first did not realize that the women's movement grew out of the abolitionist women and primarily out of very Christian women, uh, Quaker women, who wanted to abolish slavery. Um, And something that people forget is that slavery did exist in the North, too. There was a very substantial case, Eliza Winston, uh, uh, a slave in in Minnesota, who um, had been brought there and then argued in court that she was now in free territory and there should be free, but lost her case and had to go into hiding. Uh, So these were women who worked to end slavery primarily, and then they discovered that within that global organization, they were treated as less than equal. Uh, Several went to a World Anti-Slavery Conference in London in 1840. And they were elected from their female anti-slavery societies in America. But then when they get to London, the guys, both Americans and Europeans, refused to seat them. And um, they were told they had to sit behind a curtain because their presence would be too distracting to the men. (laughs) So... yes (laughs)
0: and we're still just we're
2: still distracting (laughs) men apparently doris aren't we (laughs) yeah 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 just can't get their minds higher (laughs) up on their heads Uh (laughs) (laughs) apparently not well
1: and uh you know the the timing of this book i mean as i said is really uh timely right i mean it's the 100th anniversary of the 19th amendment um did you time this book to come out Uh, for that anniversary? Did you time it to come out around the presidential election? Like, what was your strategy?
2: Uh, It was was 1920, and the fact that this would be the centennial of the 19th Amendment that was the success that ended in the vote for everyone in every state. Mm -hmm. But I had written part of it uh, earlier in uh, 1998 when we celebrated the 150th anniversary of the Seneca Falls Convention that was the first call for the right to vote. And that was after these two women, Lucretia Mott and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, were back from London. And eight years after they got back, they each had seven children. Not all, mm-hmm. not exactly at that point, but they were, they were busy mothers, and it took them eight years before they could get together again. And they had a meeting uh, at Seneca Falls, New York, primarily because Mott, who lived in Philadelphia, was going up that way to visit her sister, who lived in Auburn, New York. And and Stanton lived in Seneca Falls, New York. So they put a little notice, three-sentence notice, in the the local newspaper saying that they were going to have a meeting on the rights of women. And 300 people Mm. showed up. (laughs) <laughs> both men and women. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so obviously it was a tremendous success. They reported it to the newspapers. We had telegraphed by them. And uh, she, um, Stan wrote many, many letters to editors all over the country and even to England. And within two weeks of the meeting, half of the world knew about it. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it was an astonishing thing
1: did it just um, snowball from there doris i mean i know you've done extensive research for this book i'm just curious were there things that you didn't know but you were surprised that you didn't know and um you, you know was one of the things i mean one of the things i find surprising that you just said is that 300 people showed up to that first meeting with just a little you know newspaper notice i mean i can only imagine that there were quite a few different surprises that you uncovered in your research
2: yeah 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 that given the times was not as surprising as it sounds now because there was so little to do mm-hmm. uh there was no television no radio and people looked for lectures and interesting things and and mobs look for them too uh after the first couple of meetings they never had another one in which uh the the equivalent of the proud boys didn't come out to um, sneer at them and throw things and make fun of them and 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 once literally lit the building on fire uh, the mm. building in which they were meeting because there were black women at this meeting so uh it um It wasn't really a case of them having to hunt out interested people. Interested people came to them. Uh, Women in particular wanted reform on property rights, because at that time, in the 1840s, there was no state where a woman, a married woman, could go to court uh, and sue or allow herself to be sued, which is a serious limitation on, on building a business. Uh, she just was legally dead in the eyes of of the court. So that meant that she couldn't file for divorce. And uh, it also meant this was an era with absolutely no restraint on sales of alcohol. Uh, And she had no legal right to anything she owned. In Louisiana, the law even wrote into it that her husband owned her clothes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... Uh, that, that, and custody of children, a man in most states had the right to will his children to someone other than their mother. And that happened too, as a way to force her to stay in the marriage, because if she didn't stay in the marriage, she axiomatically lost her kids everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so a law has changed that people don't realize mm-hmm. and, uh, that is not directly tied up with the vote, but you can see quickly how when you start working for these things, you've got to have a vote in order to get the attention to people who can make the change.
1: Right. Well, absolutely. I mean, really what you described were women were very, maybe just a step above slaves at that point, um, yes. if yep. that. And so this was yep. really so yep. much more than about the vote, to your point. This yep. is about women yep. having human yep. basic human rights as individuals, not just as property, which is essentially what, what they were. Um, I wanna take a quick break, but when we come back, I wanna talk about some key turning points in their fight for those basic human rights and the right to vote. So everybody stick around. We're gonna hear more from Doris on this compelling book when Purse Strings returns after the break.
0: Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com.
1: Welcome back. I've been chatting today with Doris Weatherford. She is the author of a new book called Victory for the Vote uh, with a foreword by Nancy Pelosi that's just come out on uh, the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. Yes, very well-timed, is it not? And also at a time when voting has never been more in, in the populace and, and more vital. Uh, Doris was just explaining uh, before the break about women's fight was really more than just the vote. It was about the right for some basic human rights, uh, the right not to be uh, seen as property, the right to be able to um, participate in the, 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 the lives of their children and other, other very critical, critical things they were fighting for. Doris, there were a lot of twists and turns on the journey for the vote. What were some of the key turning points that you could point to?
2: Well, let's start out with a happy one. Um, The first jurisdiction to grant the vote was the Wyoming Territory in 1869. Uh, The ratio of men to women was 50 to 1, and they wanted women to move there. So the very first bill that they introduced in the territorial legislature gave women the full vote uh and they never lost it which in some other jurisdictions that happened but they lost it and uh, later on and uh, also full employment rights there were women who worked for the Wyoming government and at the same pay scale that men worked for which is just unheard of at the time uh and eastern new oh, and, and jury duty they um do Legalist out there said, well, if she got all these civil rights, she got the right to serve on a jury, to, jury too. And uh, journalist back east just had a field day with that. They thought that was hilarious, that women could serve on juries. Well, you know what the natural result is. Women are going to punish the bad guys more than more than the guys, <laughs> many of whom might be bad guys, too. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're talking about a really rough community with gun violence as routine and stealing each other's property and you know laughing it off as cattle rustling. This was this was serious crime that later was depicted in the movies as just everybody having a good time. But if you think about losing all your cattle, um, mm-hmm. you think uh, that that sort of thing was. Anyway, Eastern journalists, a few of them came out to Wyoming and uh, uh, were just astonished that women could serve on juries, and moreover, that the people being tried didn't dare threaten them. That was that was too much of a communal standard, cultural standard, to attack the women who served on the juries, whereas they felt free to attack the men. And uh, people began to see that having more women in, in public life was a good idea uh the same thing in terms of voting it was routine both in rural areas and in cities in that area very routine for uh people who candidates and party leaders to buy a drink for a guy hand him their slate which many of these men were illiterate and they marked a, a slate for uh, led by a donkey or led by an elephant, and they went and deposited it in the ballot box, and then they went across the street to the other saloon, and they picked up another slate and dropped it in. And uh, l- elections today are so, 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 <laughs> by the book, compared to elections then. Uh, mm-hmm. Many people have held office who did not win. I would go so far as to say most people who held office prior to women voting uh, did not did not win in a legitimate way. Nobody checked on citizenship. Um, anyway, the the upshot was that um, because the West innovated the vote with um, uh, Utah, Colorado. Idaho, Washington, states Mm -hmm. like that, following very quickly after Wyoming. (laughs) And ultimately, every western state except New Mexico had won the vote before any eastern state had. And that was New York in 1917. So you've got this long period here from 1869 in Wyoming to 1917 in New York when it was done on a state by state basis.
1: So many years. it took them many years of work many, and many incre- incremental success. i'm I'm curious as you reflect on what ultimately was a victorious path to the vote, although very labored. Um, what lessons can we take from these women and their their effort to win um, to win the vote and and also other rights?
2: Persistence. persistence, And uh, this is not one that occurred to me right away, but the more I think about it, uh, the more important it becomes. Don't be afraid of competition within your ranks. Uh, Susan B. Anthony and Lucy Stone did not like each other. They did at first. They worked well together at first. But ultimately, Susan B. Anthony decided that Lucy Stone was too moderate for her. Uh, I don't agree. I think Lucy Stone's strategy of moderation is the more practical, if you really want politicians to listen to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Susan B. Anthony was more racist than than. Lucy Stone, and um, uh, she hurt herself, I think, by not including more black women in her side of the movement, although at the same time, that was another genuine problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, Black women had been included early on, and then as the country grew more conservative in the Victorian age, they were discouraged from participating, and then finally, just before victory encouraged again, but it very it was always a source of, of tension. Uh does this help or hurt us? Mm-hmm. And 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 Southern politicians were very big to play that up. Uh mm-hmm. both Arkansas and Texas did very legalistic granting the votes so that the law was written, clearly for white women to vote and black women not written develop
1: well, and that kind of yeah. brings me to what's going on today, right? Like you, you, right now, you live you live in Florida, right? And it's a state that's critical to the 2020 election. It has a large minority population, which really is the majority population. Uh, immigrants could make or break the election in Florida. Um, so you know, when we think about voting rights, especially in Florida and the impact on the presidency, I mean, this is. Something Something that's still in play today so it's not gone away it's actually it. been exacerbated mm-hmm. correct
2: it, yep it's just different groups different names but the issues are the same uh, great deal of opposition in the Northeast to women voting because of Irish servants every oh. home had um, a Hannah or a Betty or somebody who who worked in the home and uh, the Anglo families who employed them really believed that they would vote the way their priests told them to. And, uh, so these women who themselves were well-educated and may have wanted to vote for themselves. They, they stopped when they realized that it could be that their servants would outvote them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, in fact, the, the states that we think of as liberal today, uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts, um, they uh, they did not pass the vote until the last minute. I, the uh, in fact, the headquarters of the national association opposed to women's vote was was in Boston. Mm-hmm.
1: It, you know it's it's interesting the interdynamics, even among women, right? of of uh, and how they they migrated those issues. Um, it's just it's fascinating. I'm gonna take a quick break, Doris, and when we come back. I, I want to talk about how do we ensure our voting rights today and also how you got Nancy Pelosi to write that forward. So everyone stick <laughs> okay. around more with Doris in just a moment.
0: First strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors.
1: Welcome back. I've been chatting today with Doris Weatherford. She's the author of a new book, Victory for the Vote. And yes, she will be at the Miami Book Fair this November the 15th through the 22nd, which you can watch live streamed right there on the website for easy and safe access. It's too bad that we won't be able to experience the book fair in person this year, but I have no doubt it will be back in action next year. Let's all pray for that. Uh, But You know, Doris, you've been sharing a really interesting journey, that long, long, windy, very layered journey for women to get the vote, not just the vote, but really the rights to be treated as just human beings in this country. Um, As we look at the impending presidential election, um, you know, lots of things are happening, right? Immigrants are under fire. Uh, the right to vote in general is under fire women's rights are at risk especially with a supreme court opening that um, there's a fast track to try to fill it feels like your book has come out at a time when we're grappling with a lot of the same basic human rights that these women were grappling a hundred years ago so my question to you is you know based on what you learned about about those women and their journey and what we're facing today, you know, what can Americans do to ensure our voting rights?
2: Well, one, learn our history uh, mm-hmm. because we have gone through inventing this wheel before and we don't need to start from scratch. Uh, there's a, a terrible failure to teach history in the schools and the way that history should be taught. It's improving, uh, but until 20, 30 years ago, women were just a footnote at the end of the chapter instead of being regarded as half the people. Uh, And there are countless Supreme Court decisions related to women that should be taught in the way that Dred Scott, for example, is taught. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And actually, now that I brought that up, the defining one, here's the crux of the problem. Men view themselves as Americans. Women do, too. But the courts have always treated women as Virginians, Arizonans, Minnesotans, whatever. The state laws apply to minorities, black as well as women, in a way that white men just don't see. Uh, But I've been talking about how women got the vote in these states. But it never was questioned that white men were going to have votes in those Mm -hmm. states. When Mm -hmm. they wrote the state constitution, yeah, they put a line in there about it. And women, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) women went to many of these state constitution writings and tried to get full rights that way. Uh, But the problem is, and and here it is in a nutshell, when when they passed the 15th Amendment after the Civil War, that was intended to guarantee the right to vote to black men. They didn't say male voters. They just said citizens. The right to vote of citizens shall not be denied by any state. And they intended that for the former Confederate states to allow former slaves to vote. And they just didn't think about gender. Mm -hmm. as many men (laughs) still don't think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh,
2: Uh. So uh, women in about two dozen different jurisdictions from coast to coast went to their local registrars and tried to vote under the grounds of the 15th Amendment. And, of course, they were left out of the courthouse. But one of these women, Virginia Minor from St. Louis, uh, Her husband was an attorney, and they took the case all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, um, arguing that the 15th Amendment said citizens have the right to vote. Mm -hmm. States may not deny that. And uh, the court just laughed at them. Um, Unanimous decision against them. The court quoted the Bible more than the Constitution. uh said this was unnatural for a woman to want to vote and uh, and that was when the movement began to be more nationally aimed and less state aimed they, they continued to work both strategies picking up states when they could but the amendment that ultimately passed in 1920 was written in 1874 uh, and uh. It, it just took that long. Constitutional amendments require—founding fathers were very sure of themselves, and they did not want that constitution amended. Uh, it, it requires two-thirds of both houses of Congress and three-quarters of the state legislatures with both chambers in each. So you're literally voting well over 100 times. On the same issue,
1: so it is an extremely um, laborious and difficult process yes, to make yes, change. Yes. Make change. It's
2: a very, a very definition of conservatism. Keep it the way it is. Yeah. Um,
1: so I noticed so, Nancy Pelosi wrote the foreword. I have to ask you, how did you manage <laughs> to get Nancy Pelosi to do that?
2: <laughs> well, actually, I had had two significant. Um, forward writers earlier uh Debbie Wasserman Schultz down yes. in Miami uh-huh. she wrote uh an introduction to a work that I did for congressional quarterly press back in uh 2010 I think and then the book that I wrote for this uh 150th is Seneca Falls convention um uh Geraldine Ferraro who was yes woman. of course yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, she wrote the introduction to it. So Nancy Pelosi, of course, had known Geraldine Ferraro. And uh, um, the main thing was my own congressman, congresswoman here in Tampa, Kathy Castor. I've known Kathy since she was six years old. So she gave a copy of the one that Geraldine Ferraro had written to Nancy Pelosi uh, to Nancy Pelosi,
1: and Nancy Pelosi said, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, congratulations. <laughs> that's just that's just a cherry on top of yeah. what's an amazing yeah. book. Yeah. And yeah. I know, uh, yeah. again, I want to remind everyone that November 15th through the 22nd is the Miami Book Fair. It is going to be live streamed. You are going to be able to see Doris Weatherford there, and you are going to be able uh, to purchase her book now, right? Victory for the Vote is out there now, Doris, and people can purchase. Yes. Perfect. Yep. So every yep. book, major bookseller and independent booksellers should have victory for the vote. And I do encourage everyone to go out and pick up a copy of that. It's the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. And as you heard right here, it took almost, I'm going to say 100 years to get there. It didn't quite get 100 years to get there, but it took a really long time. Um, and we're all so grateful for those pioneering women who made it all possible. And Doris, thank you for your work in, in making sure that that history is captured so that we don't forget, and we don't forget what it takes to actually protect, one, to gain our rights and to protect our rights. I wish you much success at the book fair and with the book.
2: Thank you, thank you. It's, Women's history is uh, a mountain chain. We have peaks and valleys. And right now we're in a valley, so we need to start the upper climb. Yes,
1: ma'am, we do. So let's let's get with it today, right? Let's, no, no greater time to do it than today. And uh, thank you for being on the show. Thanks to my producer, George, and join me again here on Purr Strings for another edition. Until then, make it a great one.